when you seek me, you will find me. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of God's will for your life. God's will and purposes hold the best for you and for me. Now you may find yourself in a situation that right now you're not too convinced, but listen. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God has for you. You may have to go through some difficult times, but you hang in there. You grow with God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's a lot we can learn from someone's convictions and successes, but there's much we absorb from others' questions, too. And when it's a prophet of God who's asking the questions, Pastor Xavier says there's sure to be great and mighty simple truths revealed. And in today's study, it's Jeremiah who questions. Yet we can all draw comfort in God's exhortation. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. And the message is entitled, Knowing the King's Business. The prophet Jeremiah has just received a word of knowledge from the Lord, telling him that his cousin Hanamel, the son of Shalom, his uncle, was coming to him in the prison in order that he might redeem a field of Anathoth after the law of redemption. We find this in chapter 32, the beginning, verse 6 through 7. As he moves on through the chapter there, then Hanamel arrives with that very request that God had just made known to Jeremiah. And at the end of verse 8, Jeremiah says, Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So he thought God was speaking to him. He wasn't sure. But then when his cousin came, boom! Yes, that was the Lord. He knew it. From there, he went into the customary transaction, weighing the money out, signing the deeds. One of them sealed, the other one's open to make sure that when there's the time of redemption comes in, no one's tampered with the document. And he gives the purchase deed to Baruch from verse 9 to 12. And all of this was accomplished in the court of the prison. It's amazing where God carries out his business. In all kinds of places. I thank God for Paul who was in prison and wrote the epistles to, to the churches that are so valuable to us. Now at that time, probably people say, ah, Paul's, God's not using Paul anymore, you know, he's just done with them. He was there doing God's will. And we are so off base at times when we try to make a final statement on something just living in the present. We don't have the full picture. The last thing Jeremiah told Baruch from verse 13 to 15 was to place a document of the purchase deed in an earthen vessel to preserve it for many days because Yahweh, the captain of the armies of heaven, the God of Israel, revealed to Jeremiah that houses and fields and vineyards would be possessed again in the land. This was a step in faith. Now, you've given the land to us. Now you're taking it from us. The Babylonians have occupied even Anathoth right now. But... You say you're going to give it back, so in faith I'm stepping out. He's stepping out on what God has revealed. That's faith. Then the prophet, as he had stepped out in faith, 
believing that God has spoken to him, even by the affirmation of his cousin coming. After a while, doubt set in, and his faith began to be tested. So Jeremiah turned to God in prayer, and that's always the way we should go. This is the backdrop. God has spoken to him. He's gone through the whole transaction, even as he went through many of the sign messages that we've seen. And now, he's doubting. And he goes to the Lord. God then, in verse 2 of 33, assured Jeremiah again that he was the creator of heaven and earth. He had formed it all, and Yahweh was his name. And then came the solution to Jeremiah's doubt and confusion. By way of a simple exhortation in verse 3. Here it is. To seek Yahweh. Look at verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now God in his faithfulness answered Jeremiah. And confirms the judgment affirming that he was the Lord the God of all flesh. In verse 26 through 44 of chapter 32. So, God gives back the phrase him. Yes, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No. It's a rhetorical question. Doubts are going to come. They are the test of your faith and my faith. You see, the next thing here is that the prophet Jeremiah had the most recent experience when Yahweh answered him to draw from. Yahweh had told Jeremiah that the city was going to be given to the Babylonians. And Zedekiah was going to see face to face Nebuchadnezzar in 32 1 through 5. He had just told him this all over again. God had just spoken to him. In 32 7, Yahweh had told him about his cousin coming, Hanamel, and to ask him, and it happened. Yahweh allowed him to understand the confirmation when he came and said these words and asked him, boom! It was confirmation that it was God who spoke to him, not just his own imagination. Now, I don't always know. So when I think it's God, then I write it down, okay, if it's the Lord, come back. Sometimes it's just my own thoughts. But as I walk with God, I've seen that God is faithful if my heart's open, and I check these things, and I walk in faith, He's able to direct and guide me. As I see what He's done through the ministry, the decisions we've made, the different things we've done. doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% accurate all the time. But God honors the intent of your heart to please Him, and He's going to redirect you. He's going to guide you like He did to Paul. When He says, don't preach here, don't preach, okay, right here. He redirected him. You see, Yahweh had told him again about the city being inhabited in 3244. Grab a hold of that, Jeremiah. You have not wasted your money. You are going to possess that land again. Now, you won't be around, but your relatives will hold the redemptive right. The next of kin. Like you're the next of kin to get it, the next after you will be able to redeem it. You remember Habakkuk, the prophet? He was confused. And complaining to God, because in chapter 1, he said, Lord, what are you going to do? And God said, well, you know, I'm going to take the Babylonians, I'm going to destroy my people. He says, I can't believe that. He says, I told you. So he's all confused and complaining against God. So chapter 2 opens up with this, Habakkuk the prophet. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. Now, I like this. Listen. And, when I, and, and, and what I will answer when I am corrected. The prophet knew that he didn't understand. He was confused and complaining. But he knew, even in his own confusion, that he was wrong. And that God would correct him. And then he says, Then the Lord answered me and said, 
write the vision and make it plain on tables or tablets, that he may run who reads it, or the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So when God speaks to you, you rest in that. You let Him bring it to pass. You don't go out to fulfill. If God says He's called you into ministry, let Him open those doors. Don't break down the doors. Don't call yourself. Don't promote yourself. If God's going to use you somewhere, it's His responsibility to open the doors and the minister to your heart. This way you know it's God. And He'll direct and guide you. The priority is not the will of man, by the way. It's the will of God. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33 That's a priority. We start there, but we start getting busy about our kingdom. Jesus said again, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. In Matthew 7, 7. You've, heard, you've read in the scripture, it says, you know, if you ask for bread, is he going to give you a stone? Of course not. Now, if we, being evil, don't do evil things to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father do better to us? In fact, to Jeremiah, the Lord said in 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man, listen, according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. If I'm seeking God, my heart is open. He's going to direct me. He's going to guide me. I have no doubts about God. I have many doubts about myself, but I have no doubts about God. The problem's always on my side. You understand? God is forever looking to see if a man or a woman is seeking Him. Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. I love David's prayer. I remember my dad as he was uh, there in the hospice dying. And I sing that song to him. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27 4. And as I was there with my dad and and, and I knew it wouldn't be long before he'd be with the Lord. And I just sat there just singing that to him. And it's just so encouraging that the greatest thing we can do is just to seek the will and the mind of God. Because when push comes to shove and you're on your deathbed, you're going to look back and say, Man, I wasted a lot of time. I invested in a lot of things that are worthless. You want to be wise. You want to do only what God wants you to do. The personal promise to the prophet was, and I will answer you. Now, do you think that applies to you? I know it does. Notice third and last, the personal need of the prophet. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. First of all, the prophet Jeremiah had been told by Yahweh many things he did not know. As we've gone through the book. Yahweh had, remember in chapter 13, he had given the picture to Jeremiah of the nation's ruined condition by the sash that he buried in the Euphrates River. He revealed that to him. In chapter 18 and 19, he sent him down to the potter's house to learn from the clay that was marred. 
Nothing could be done with it but start new. And then he went into the valley of Hinnom and he broke it. So will happen to the nation. In chapter 27, he wore the wooden yokes as God revealed the subjection of all the nations to Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 30 and 31, the future tribulation of the nation in the latter days, when the Antichrist will bring the greatest persecution to the Jew, which will usher in the kingdom age. God revealed that to him. Things he knew nothing about. The prophet was now told of the horror of the nation, followed by the ultimate healing of the nation in that kingdom age. In chapter 33, verse 4 to 13. All the efforts of the nation to survive would be futile. In their desperate attempts, it would be futile. They would not be restored completely until the millennial kingdom. Or they would come back at the command of Cyrus, but that's only a near fulfillment. But secondly, also, the ultimate blessing of the restored nation would be under the Messiah's reign. Not under a human king. Whenever we're dealing with man, we're dealing with imperfection. David at best was flesh, yet he's called a man after God's own heart, but David was a bad boy. He brought a lot of hurt to himself, to his family, to his kingdom. The prophet, in chapter 33, verse 14 through 18, in verse 14, the prophecy now turns to the far future of the last days. The phrase, the days are coming, we have already referred to in previous chapters that it speaks about the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, verse 3, uh, chapter 31, verse 27, verse 38. You find the same phrase. And in those days, speaks of the latter days in the great tribulation, just before the millennial kingdom. In those days, at that time, Yahweh would cause to grow the branch of David. Of righteousness. He would execute judgment and righteousness. Verse 15 says on the earth. This identifies the Messiah. Jesus Christ. Psalm 110 verse 4. Isaiah 9, 6-7 speaks about a, a son is given, a child is born. On him the government of, uh, shall be upon his shoulders. There should be no end. Revelation 19, 16. The Lord our righteousness. Truth. The word of God. And in those days Judah would be saved. Verse 16 says. And Jerusalem will be in safety. In the name of the city is what? The Lord our righteousness. The city reflects the glory and righteousness of the king. His name. His name is the Lord Tzitkanu. The Lord our righteousness. In, in Jeremiah uh, 23.5. Now here is the city. Why? Because the king and the city are one. And by the way, the nation would be one then. And that's how it will be fulfilled. In the kingdom age. And so the unbroken promise to David in verse 17 that there would always be someone on the throne. And uh, verse 18 goes on to speak about the uh, perpetual covenant for the Levites and the priesthood. But all of this is in the kingdom age. Revealing to him, giving him things that he knows nothing about. Jeremiah couldn't guess this. And the certainty of the covenant of the nation's restoration was based upon Yahweh's covenant with nature. As he goes from chapter 33 there, 19 to 22. He speaks of the sun and the moon. If, if that covenant can be broken, then the covenant with the nation of Israel could be broken. Interesting. Now, I don't know about you, but I saw the moon last night. And the sun came up this morning. <laughs> the covenant is still good. This is not the first time he's mentioned it. He's mentioned it already in chapter 31, verse 31 through 40. The prophet has given another example. As the host of the heavens cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the sons of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to him. Verse 22. Now, there were stars out last night. Now, we can't see all of them because of the smog sometimes, but we know they're there. 
But notice lastly there from verse 23 to 26 that the restoration of the nation is certain regardless of people's misunderstanding. This is very important. Okay? There's a lot of people who have a misunderstanding about God's dealing with Israel. Right here in verse 23, the word of the Lord came to the prophet revealing the unbelief of the people. Listen to him. Have you not considered what these people have spoken? Saying, the two families, north and southern kingdom, Judah and Israel, which the Lord has chosen, he has also cast them off. Thus, they have despised my people as if they should no more be a nation before them. So the people say, oh no, God's through, no more Israel, that's it, it's done. They were saying, what many are teaching in the church today are teaching that God is through with Israel. And that you and I, the church, are spiritual Israel and we have replaced Israel. And all the promises and blessings of Israel come to us. Wrong. The people today are descendants of these guys. God is not through with Israel. God is choosing a bride for himself right now. And when he removes the church, he'll deal with Israel once again. Hey, listen. The sun and the moon are still going. The stars are still up there. He's not through with them. And so in verse 25 and 6, the covenant of God with Israel is as natural and sure as his covenant with the function and process of nature. He reiterates it again, day and night, the appointed ordinance, and also the descendants of Jacob, his servant, the descendants. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Daniel tells us in Daniel 9, 20 through 23, Now while I was speaking... Praying. This is at the end of captivity now. This is right before Cyrus uh, in, in uh, 536. Okay? Daniel's probably 90 some years old. While I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sins and the sins of the people of Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision at the beginning, Remember, he gave him in chapter 2 and chapter 7 about the, the time of the Gentiles, the Babylonian kingdom, the head of gold, and the Medo-Persian Empire, Greece, and Rome, and the Ten Confederacy. Okay? Same guy. Being caused to fly swift, reached me about the time of the evening oblation or offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplication and command went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Daniel was told about the 70th week of Daniel, the prophecy. As he had been told about the image in chapter 2. As he had been told in chapter 7 how God views the nations as animals. Here it is again. Daniel, 16, 15 years old. Now he's 90-some. What's this man doing? He's seeking God. There is nothing impossible for God to work in or work through. I make the impossibility. He can work through the worst of marriages if you're both willing. But you've got to be willing. If one person's willing, it won't work. Now you need to be willing on your part that whatever the other mate does, you're pleasing to God and God will be faithful to you in one way or the other. But he's not going to have you stay married if the other one doesn't want you to be married to you. It takes two of you. And God can take the worst scenario and turn it for good. But you both must be broken before God. You must both seek the Lord for his will. 
So the impossibility is not on God's side. The difficulty is on my part. God can take the most depraved person and make them wider than snow. For you and me, that's a difficulty. For God, it isn't. The most tragic and hurtful things that happen in life, God can turn around for good. Not that God ordained them, because man has a free will. But as you come to God and lay everything before him, he can take that which the canker worm has eaten and give it back to you. Only God can do that. How can, don't worry about how. You just believe God, you trust God, you walk with God, you grow with God, you seek God. And he will do that. God promises each of us that he will speak to us personally. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Tragically, too many people think that verse is for when you get to heaven. It isn't. The context is for here and now. You don't know what God has prepared for you. Some of you are single. You don't know what God has in store for you in the future. The wife, the husband, the ministry, the work. You have no idea. If God would have shown me what he had, I would have blown my mind. I can't even imagine what he had for me. It's for here and now. But it's by the Spirit that he reveals things to us, not by our flesh. Even as Peter says, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, my Father has revealed it to you, not flesh and blood. It is God who does this through the Spirit. In fact, as we've been studying the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, John sixteen thirteen says that it's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to show us things to come, to teach us all things, the words of Jesus, right? It's in the sphere of the Spirit, not my flesh. If any of you lack wisdom, James says, let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed by the wind. James 1, 5, and 6. Now, we all have doubts, but you don't want to live in doubts all the time. If you're a person who lives in doubts all the time, then you receive nothing. But we all have doubts at one time, but it drives me to God in prayer, right? I wait upon him. God's will and purposes hold the best for you and for me. Now, you may find yourself in a situation that doesn't, right now you're not too convinced. But listen, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And expect that hope. That's what God has for you. You may have to go through some difficult times, but you hang in there. You grow with God. This, by the way, was told to the captives in Babylon. Kick back 70 years. After that, you're going to blow your mind. <laughs> the following verses says that the need is to get desperate enough and serious enough to seek to call on God. Listen. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. The problem is some of us have not gotten desperate enough. We've got it on cruise control. We got to get desperate. I need God. The personal need of the prophet was, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Here's a simple exhortation, Jeremiah. Seek me. The personal invitation of the prophet was called to me. The personal promise of the prophet was, and I will answer you. The personal need of the prophet was, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Oh, I need all three of those. Today, more than ever before, knowing the king's business, 
should be top priority. Pastor Xavier Reese with God's threefold exhortation to the faithful prophet Jeremiah. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled "Knowing the King's Business" are available on CD for only four dollars. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply "Knowing the King's Business," or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing "Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107," or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California. Nine one one zero seven, and thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more simple truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com. 